3: Not. Um, the human race
1: is about to be wiped out. We have fifty thousand people left, and that's it. So say we all. So say we all. So say we all. <laughs> Battlestar
0: Galactica Season 2, Episode 10 is over, but we have to go fracking down the hatch to talk about Battlestar Galactica here on Post Show Recaps. That's right. It's down the hatch. It is Season 2, Episode 10, the highly anticipated Pegasus here on Down the Hatch today. I'm Josh Wiggler, and I'm joined here by a man who, thankfully, I was not separated from when the Cylons attacked, the great Mike Bloom. Mike, what would be the podcast equivalent of uniting with the Pegasus? Would it be like finding out that Rob and Akiva have had a stealth Battlestar Galactica podcast going this entire time?
2: No, because I think the thing about Admiral Kane was that, like, Adama never even met her. So I think it would be if one of the other lost podcasters, of which... We had no idea even who they were. We had only heard of them suddenly came on and we're like, okay, great. I'm taking over post-show recaps now. This is the way it runs. No more talks about jammer. Cylon frog. God is basically a swear. He's banned at this point.
0: Yeah. Like the ringer was doing its own Battlestar Galactica first watch rewatch podcast. And we didn't find out about it until we all just came into the room together. And obviously we just get shock absorbed by the ringer. There's just, there's no way out of that. Oh yeah,
2: and you and I would are so and we're
0: definitely sentenced to death. You and I, right?
2: Oh no, I would say we'd more so be like the Lee Apollo of like we're just sitting there in you know the command center taking our licks, and we're not the Starbuck being like your are your podcast idea sucks. We're just like yes sir. We'll do whatever you say. We'll just yep. we'll just garble nonsense <laughs> words for an hour and a half if you think that's good content. You have yep. a great plan.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, we're gonna garble nonsense talk and hopefully some sense talk as well here today, Mike. Uh, gosh, I can't stop thinking about like, what if we just got like bought out? Uh, we wouldn't even get bought out. I don't think it sounds that's like, like it we was, would like, just I get... hear
2: the smile on your face. <laughs> we would just. We would.
0: I was like, oh, if we got bought out, that's one thing. But I think we would just be absorbed. We would just become like. I don't know, like the the stepchild of the greater Battlestar Galactica podcast. Am I your stepchild is what we would have to ask the greater Mm -hmm. uh, Battlestar Galactica podcast. But today it's just us, Mike. It's you and me talking BSG and talking about an episode that, as I said at the top, highly anticipated episode. Pegasus, Mike. Um, Wow. That's my first review.
2: (sighs) Yeah. In so many ways. I mean... I knew coming into this, the only thing I knew coming into this episode was that this was going to be our Yadis episode, that BSG was going to take a break akin to a quarter of a year before it came back. So I knew it had to end things on a big note, perhaps on a different note than I thought. Uh, No main characters died, though two are certainly on their way to becoming so. We'll certainly get into that. But Josh, I have a couple of different comparisons to make, as we like to do here. I mean, first, love getting BSG tailies. That is incredible. Mm-hmm. This group that we didn't know was alive the entire time, but actually were complete with, I would say, a much more bristling with the two groups than what we saw in Lost. Unfortunately, BSG doesn't have their equivalent of Sawyer and Jin and Michael to sort of bridge the two gaps. Coming out. But what I will also say is this might be the most Star Trekky episode of BSG I have seen so far. Interesting. Is that because Michelle Forbes is in it? I mean, that's a large reason. When I saw frickin' Ro Laren stepping out from the raptor and, and seeing her in that beautifully decorated CIC, I also love that as well of like, oh yeah, I forgot that the Big G is kind of a piece of crap that there actually are battle stars that are modern and a little bit more luxurious and sleek like uh you know Kane's office has those nice semi sheer glass walls around it but for me this is very reminiscent of some stuff that we did see in Star Trek particularly in uh TNG where it's like Okay, here come the higher brass of Starfleet stopping in to check in on the Enterprise. And this was particularly a storyline, I feel like mainly in season one, before the entire conspiracy arc happened of like, okay, let's see what the runt of the litter is doing. Enterprise, we love you. You're the heroes of our story, but at the same time, you are breaking codes left and right. This is not the way you should be conducting yourself obviously that's done in a different capacity from a war perspective in Deep Space Nine. And so I feel like we got a very similar scenario here of, okay, we have made a living for ourselves for 23 episodes at this point, trying to figure out how to keep this front together. What happens when we get this reminder of our past in so many ways? And uh, sort of just this idea of, how far we have come in pushing the boundaries of what exactly us versus them means
0: yeah so i think maybe you're not going to be surprised to hear this and there's a chance i'm speaking out of school here um and i i guess i haven't looked at like what are the imdb rankings of the episodes of Battlestar galactica which i will do right now as i'm saying these words but i think pegasus is widely considered one of the very best episodes of Battlestar Galactica, wow. And I think that it is the best episode we have encountered thus far, probably just like in that like objective best. It is such an event. It is the collision of these two communities coming together that is just a very unexpected um, moment in the series. It is really dark it's really 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 dark um contains i think you and i were talking before we hit record um it contains a scene that you were suggesting was the darkest scene we've seen in battlestar galactica so far i would posit that it is the darkest scene that you and i have seen across any of the shows we've covered on down the hatch
2: i mean that's a very good call i'm just trying to think
0: i'm like i'm like going through like the rolodex in my mind if like the thorn sexually assaulting and raping boomer scene is just horrific uh there's just no two ways about it it is absolutely horrific and it is just like this nightmarish expression of so many of the themes that have been in play on the show up to this point of like Are they even people? Are they just objects? And just like this disgusting expression of it and having your boy, Hilo, alongside Chief uh, coming in and standing very tall against that idea. While all of that is just so unbearably harrowing and I would not fault anyone who is like, this episode is terrible and disturbing and I hate it uh, for that scene. I think it is like this moment that really shines a light on just how fracked up things are in the Battlestar Galactica universe. And beyond all of that, there's the exhilaration of Admiral Cain and getting to meet Saul Ty's new best friend, who also seems very Ty-ish in his own right. Like you called last week, there is indeed a captive Cylon, and even uh, Head Six is so glib about it until she sees that it is one of her own. Uh, Six, as the band oh. behind... Uh, the bend behind the curtain has. Uh, I have it out. in my
2: notes as well. I also wanted to call it Pegasix.
0: Pegasix. Uh, there's just so many events. The cliffhanger that we are left on, which we will also leave our listeners on. We're going to be taking a break for about a month after this podcast comes out. January 16th is the expected return date. Yeah, it, it takes a long hatch-
2: time to get to the Pegasus. So we're just uh, accumulating transit time there. It's going to be a lot of holiday traffic. There's
0: going to be a lot of holiday traffic uh, and we just are going to have to like sleep off all of that eggnog that you and I are so fond of. Uh, so I think like it really does have an argument to be made for being one of the best episodes of the show that we've encountered thus far. Um, it's just, it's just a lot too. It's very, it's very exciting, but it is also heavy in a way that um, yeah, can be really hard to approach.
2: Yeah. Uh, and I think again, that might put people at pause to feel like that's not, you know, necessarily the mark of a top tier episode. And I totally get that. I mean, mulling over stuff in our head that we've talked about over the past four years. Yeah, I'd be inclined to agree that that is the darkest thing that we have seen. And not because of just like this situation, even though I do think the like, grim reality of something like rape does supersede a similar dark thing like getting buried alive with Nikki and Paolo in an uh, in expose. But it's also honestly, and this is maybe a bit uncouth to say, but I think the extent to which it goes, you know, we certainly have seen attempts at that type of motion with Callie and that one prisoner who she bit his ear off uh, in the first Tom Zarek episode Hell, even going back to our in-between coverage of Heroes, Josh, there was like an attempted sexual assault scene there. But not to get too far ahead, but I think the staging and cinematography to which we see what happens implies to me that like it goes far. Yes, And that is yet again, this show, similarly as I'm talking about this episode being a reflection of how far the boundaries were pushed in terms of the way the big G approaches the war effort, really shows how this show just continues to push the boundaries. And I think maybe something that might make this more of a commendable episode than episodes like Flesh and Bone or even something I love like Resistance is this is the most high wire act. Because we talk about how compelling and incredible this episode is, especially from an extended perspective. I'm so happy we got all the time we needed in this world instead of obviously when it aired on TV. But think about the fact that they are doing this while well, introducing a complete other ship. To yes. compare it back to Lost, the Tailies yes, were new in season two, but at least we had a good handful of episodes, including one episode specifically dedicated to that group before they reintegrated them, and we really got to see the chemistry between them. The fact that they built such an incredible piece of television, while the main antagonists are characters we have never met Before is astounding to me.
0: Yeah. Uh it's anchored by a lot of really great performances uh in this episode as well. From our main cast, certainly. Um, like one of the one of the all-time great episodes for Grace Park, uh, Mm -hmm. one of the all-time great episodes for Trisha Helfer, I think, James Oh my
2: god. Just Trisha Helfer's best episode, bar none. I was and I'm so happy. I was like, where is the six content? And listen, I'm sad that it took 10 episodes to build up to this point, but the scene of her seeing herself and just watching six in a way that we have never seen her before. That made the episode for me alone.
0: Yes. Uh, so um, we've got we've got that. We've got uh, we've got great guest stars in Michelle Forbes, as we mentioned. Uh, Admiral Kane. Uh, Michelle Forbes, for me, uh, my touchstone is a, a shout out to the Worst Day Ever podcast listeners. Uh, Lynn Kresge of season four. Oh, of, yes. Uh, season two of 24, rather, I misspoke. Which is um, where
2: we got the nickname Oceana Kresge as she was the Oceanic spokesperson that ushered the Oceanic Six uh, when they wound up back on the mainland.
0: That is correct. Inventor of the Lynn Kresge cookie as well. Um, Graham Beckel, who is an actor uh, who for me is uh, intrinsically linked with LA Confidential. Uh, He plays Colonel Fisk in this episode. Um, I think another uh, really richly real Colonel Wilson Fisk? He does have Uh, a bit
2: of kingpin energy. He kind
0: of has some kingpin energy. Um, But I think that there's also just some great stuff with adama and like the um the transfer of power or not as it may end up being by the end of the episode and i think even with like mary McDonnell as rosalyn the transition from having adama as her right hand to kane as her right hand even three episodes ago this may have been a very welcome changing of the guard considering where adama and Rosalind were with each other now We've been through a lot together, is what she says. Uh, a little yeah. bit of, like, not just, like, the devil you know, uh, the Cylon you know, I guess? Is that, like, the uh, Battlestar equivalent? <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> that's right. Uh, but I think also, like, there's a closeness between the two of them, too, that's really getting challenged in this episode. So the family has been brought back together as of a few episodes ago, and now it is the Captain America Civil War of BSG. Uh, uh, except so- if, like... We cared about anybody on Kane's side of the fight.
2: Yeah, it'd be like if you know someone came in from the government, being like, "Okay, these are the Sokovia Accords," and then it was against all the Avengers yeah. that it wasn't Tony Stark taking the side of the government. There, yeah, I I think that it's a little bit of the you know uh the little like Bizarro universe as well, right? Of okay, here's another ship that has kind of been doing the same thing the Big G has been doing, just in a very different way. So to see like their approach to the war and how they see it and I love the extended episode again because I think it really allowed us to like sit with really all of our ensemble in this new reality I think the episode did such a great job and really checking in with like nearly all of our characters even freaking Gaeta gets a granted kind of filthy scene but a scene nonetheless of like okay how does this crossover now affect me and it really is setting up up in this fun, lull, false sense of security of, okay, we're hugging the Bear Mercury music's at an all-time high. This is great. We finally found other people. There are survivors. We can do this. We're strengthening our numbers. And then it slowly sours over the course of the episode. And what I love about it from William Adama's perspective is that, again, this is not beating us over the head with it, but the decision that Adama makes at the end of this episode, I cannot help but think about what liodama does at the end of season one yeah this idea of breaking the chain of command of being insubordinate of as Saul Thai would say like you're not fit to wear that uniform out of doing what he feels is best and in this case going back for his men and it really does show the apple does not fall far from the tree and the apple does not get uh into hungrily by Pegasus on the ground.
0: All right, we are going to talk about Pegasus here. Of course, if you're not subscribed, make sure you do so. Post Show Recaps, Down the Hatch, Battlestar Galactica, wherever you get your podcasts, ratings and reviews, greatly appreciated as well. If you want to get more involved, you can become a patron of Post Show Recaps to support Down the Hatch directly. Patreon.com slash Post Show Recaps. We've got a Discord, a Down the Hatch channel. Spoiler free and spoiler filled. Of course, this is Mike's first time watching Battlestar Galactica. So, keep your spoilers out of his face. Uh, we've got a channel for you. We've got an email that you can send email into down the hatch at postshowrecaps.com Label spoilers or no spoilers, please. With all of that said, Mike, let's talk about it. Season two, episode 10, Pegasus, directed by Michael Reimer. It is written by Ann Kofel Saunders. This is only her second ever episode of television that she has written. What? Uh, uh, this was her second TV episode, which is. Really crazy. Uh, She had written on the aforementioned 24, actually. (laughs)
2: This is the second episode of TV she ever wrote?
0: Yeah, second at my bat. God. Second at bat, Grand Slam. Pretty good. Oh, my um, God.
2: Yeah, talk about, like, uh, the argument against a sophomore slump. Holy yes. moly.
0: Um, So the episode, the version of the episode that we are going to be talking about is the extended version. We mentioned this last time, that there is an extended version that um, folds in the scenes that I think typically would be deleted scenes. It's a 58-minute runtime. It is not the one that's available on Prime Video, which is how I've been watching it. I know this version exists. On the Blu ray, which you watched, Mike. Mm-hmm. And oh, so you I got was got able old, you to got, find my way to it.
2: Yeah, so. you got old Tom Zarek hooking you up. Yeah, who knows to find people. You got shoved yeah. in a meat locker yeah. to watch yeah. the episode.
0: Yeah, let's just call him uh, T Zilly. Uh, so <laughs> I was able to uh thank you to T Zilly, T M Zilly uh, for hooking it up. So I was able to watch the extended edition. So if we describe scenes that you watched the episode, you're like, hey, I don't know if I remember that. It's because Mike and I watched the extended edition. We're going to fold it into our conversation here. This is the one asterisk that we're making at the top of the podcast. We are proceeding as if this is the only version of the episode because it's the only one that you and I watched, Mike. Um, So when we begin, it begins with Starbuck pitching a rescue mission uh, to go back to Caprica. Uh, There are resistance soldiers left behind on Caprica. Let's go check back in with them. We've got this sweet new ship, the Laura. The Laura should be helpful in a rescue mission. Also, like we could just take all of our Vipers. We could take our Raptors. We could leave you and the rest of the fleet with just seven Vipers and one Raptor. What do you think? And I was like, "Frac you, you like fell in love on Caprica? Yeah. Didn't you? Uh, did you find otherwise it some sort no of sense.
2: weird, yeah, pyramid player?" And have a fantasy about him at some point for an indeterminate amount of time. We're still not entirely sure. And you it promise would take, you'd come back for him. It would take
0: 241 jumps to get back to Caprica. Uh which That'd is a, be conservative, a title. To a conservative uh estimate, uh, because jumping past the red line involves inherent margins of error. It could be twice that. Uh as noted the red line while it's not uncharted space it's the distance a ship can safely jump and still know precisely where in space it will arrive We're right. way past the red line.
2: This isn't like the Romulan neutral zone. This is like oh it's navigational drift essentially. It's yeah. that okay if you make this jump a good amount of times then eventually the controls will get a little wonky. Uh listen I was getting a little nervous. I had memorably said like yeah we're not seeing Anders again. We're not going back to Caprica and Luckily, Adama and Rosalind come through. We saw this a bit during Home, remember, when Starbuck's like, oh, Madam President, good to see you. Let's go back and do this thing. She's like, not now, later. And so they try to softly let her down of saying, like, we cannot mount this entire thing and venture losing, you know, the flagship of the fleet just to rescue these people. But what I do find interesting is, while it may seem superfluous on the surface, I think it does set up this idea really nicely of... Hey, as a reminder, there are other people out there besides yes. the fleet. And I do wonder if maybe we'll get a bookend at the end of... Now, not to look too far ahead, Josh, but I do believe that the next two episodes are a two-parter. So I wouldn't even call this, you know, a duology, which is, honestly might be a trilogy, might be an entire arc on BSG, but maybe we might bookend it with Atama and Rosalind learning their lesson and being like, now screw them. We're not going to take it anymore, strangers.
0: Yep, and I just I have to do my civic duty and mention duology uh, as mm-hmm. Anastasia duology because I know there were other people who were thinking it as well. Um, no, it's a really great narrative device that um, we begin the episode with this idea of like, let's go back, let's go save the people who are still on Caprica, and Laura and Bill are both just like it's a real long shot that there's going to be like enough people worth saving. We have to kind of assume that we're it. And then immediately they get Drayda's contact. And initially we're launching the the ships and uh, uh, the base ship has launched raiders, except wait, we're getting colonial transponders. Ty initially thinks like, Oh, these sneaky fracking bastards. They've figured (laughs) out how to use our colonial signals against us. Um, But Adama uh, has D send a hostile challenge to ID the new contact, put the reply on speaker. They end up getting um, authenticated codes, these recognition codes that make it clear that the people that they are speaking with are not a cylon base ship, but instead another Battlestar. It is the Pegasus, and the person on the other end of the line is one Admiral Helena Cain, played by Michelle Forbes. A very, very exciting scene when we get into the Pegasus CIC and see all of this from her perspective
2: yeah I think really great reveal of oh my god there is another ship with entirely new crew of people and I did think for some of this episode Josh I wonder if this had come out during a different time maybe even later in the 2000s if there would have been some sort of like mini series webisodes period maybe even during that three-month hiatus of like What did the Pegasus experience? If indeed Kane's story is true, you know, what exactly have they been up to? Because we certainly find out a good amount about them over the course of this. I think the cinematography, especially, again, compared to the end of the episode, is so great that we're cutting between the two CICs and really mirroring these two heads of the ship. I mean, Colonel Ty at this point, I think, has such great boomer energy, not the character, but the age group, where he's like, Oh, well, uh, you know, these fancy Cylons with their technology, I don't really understand it. I guess they just can mimic us now.
0: Yeah, these kids and their talk Yeah, he just doesn't really get it. Um, but it is indeed more people. Uh, Pegasus, it's made of people. Uh, and Kane is going to have her Vipers disengage. Adama is going to have his crew disengage. Kane tells Adama it's a miracle. It's a Christmas miracle, Mike. Uh, The union of the Pegasus and the Galactica. Uh, And we get this huge shot of the Pegasus, uh, this really pristine looking battle star uh, in conjunction with the uh, rusty bucket of of you know what's. (laughs) That is the big G herself. We still still
2: haven't gotten the shit word yet, by the way. Yeah,
0: uh, we haven't. The big G versus the big P, Mike.
2: (laughs) (laughs) what do you think? I mean, as the nickname or as the comparison? I guess both. I mean, the big G, it's like the big P is a good side piece. You know, like that's that's the girlfriend meme. That's like, oh, look at you. You're sleek. But I think the big G is who you go back to at the end of the day, because the big P is not there to cuddle you after a hard day's night. They're not there to watch Netflix movies together. They're just there to hit it, quit it, move on to the next notch in their bedpost or painting on the side of the Raptor there. I also got to say the, these two scenes between uh, the discovery of the big P and then the reunion or union, I suppose for the first time meeting between the two crews, this honestly might be my favorite bear mccreary music which is mm. a lot because we had some killer stuff over the past 23 episodes but like i don't know the music here a pure wonder and then combined with like again the very lord of the rings-esque solitaries voice singing nonsensical syllables over the tenseness that exists and then bringing in a lot more jubilant music once everybody hugs and celebrates like my god, where's yeah. this man been my entire life? Yeah, see, I was actually having the exact
0: opposite reaction where oh. I was really wishing that as Kane shows up that we would have something that that's like, hey, that's Admiral Kane's music. Like uh, I don't da, know da, what it would uh, be. Like should we have like what would Admiral Kane like there should be like some sort of Admiral Kane theme song when she shows uh, up.
2: Da, 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 da,
0: da, da. <laughs> yeah, Imperial March is good. I was thinking Foxy Lady would be fun. I think mm-hmm. that that could be good um guile's theme song could be good as well it goes with everything what about gangnam style yeah that could be good
2: oh pegasus style
0: yeah the entire cruise of the big gangnam style <laughs> uh the Battlestar galactic gangnam no no
2: yeah, it was there it was there
0: hey sexy later. uh-huh uh well they do reunite mike and it is so good uh it is the happiest moment of the episode, and it shall not last.
2: Yeah, this is the happiest. Hell, even Chief Tyrrell is, like, smiling, and we have not seen this man smile know. in quite some time. Like, I loved this all between, again, just the very tense stand-up, because remember, Adama does not know who Kane is. He talks about this right before yes. they all go to the flight deck. He says that he has heard of her. She's a young admiral on a very fast track, and remember, like, Yes, the military hierarchy is a little weird here that Captain Leah Dama is not the highest-ranking officer on the ship like you might expect from other types of space-based pop culture. His father and the XO obviously outrank him, but the Admiral outranks them all. That carries through, and that's going to be the main point of conflict in this episode, that technically she has the chain of command. And just the welcome back to the colonial fleet, I mean, that is a very weighted phrase in retrospect, right? That initially we think of it as, yay, the merge, it's happening. But it's more so uh, when Karor absorbs Stephanie as the last remaining uh, Long member of like, no, 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 we're still this tribe and you live at our camp now.
0: Yeah, uh, that's interesting. There is definitely a, I think that Palau is the right call as far as a merge. It's like less of a merge and more of an acquisition, I yeah, feel like. Exactly. It's sort of the like way you, that Kane approaches it at the very least.
2: Yeah, exactly. I also did love, there was this one random exchange in the celebration that I couldn't tell if it was funny or not where Captain Taylor, who's the cag of the big P, introduces himself, he goes to Starbucks. He goes, Captain Taylor, Kara Thrace, Captain Taylor. I don't know why he had to introduce himself <laughs> twice. <laughs>
0: Maybe he thought that she thought that his name was Kara Thrace. Like, no, 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 no. It's Captain no. Taylor. I don't
2: know where you heard that from. I know it's very loud in here, but no, Captain Taylor. I get that a lot, though. People think my name is Kara Thrace. The
0: only thing that I could think of, and the more that I think about it, the more I think it might be this based on what we see of these people throughout the episode is he doesn't care about her first name. What's your rank?
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. How many Cylons have you killed? Yeah.
0: Uh, yeah. It's all business. With What's your
2: body history. count, yes. Starbuck?
0: That's what we're here to find out. I could tell you her frack counts, if you'd like.
2: Well, there's one that matters the most that has yet to be accomplished. Indeed.
1: Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com
3: 18
0: plus. All right, so Kane is going to take a meeting with Adama and Rosalyn. Um, Rosalyn is going to ask how Kane found them. She said they were tracking a Cylon fleet, which kept jumping to systems with natural resources. They started to scout out such systems themselves, and they found the Galactica instead. Um, And we get this story of how the Pegasus was docking for an overhaul at the Scorpion Fleet shipyards when the attack happened. There were four or five nukes; two Battle Stars destroyed on the spot. The blast blinded the Cylondratis, and uh, the Pegasus was able to get away. Um, by the time that Kane was able to get back to the CIC, they had lost seven hundred men. They jumped. So basically just like they randomly jumped um, Mm -hmm. and their networks were offline in preparation for the overhaul. So as she says, Pegasus has always been a lucky ship. It'd be cool to get all that backstory, like to see
2: that. Yeah. So this was, I imagine. Would you want
0: to see like a, um, like the, the basically like the other 48 days for the Pegasus. Would that be fun?
2: I would, because just to preview a bit about my thoughts on Admiral Kane, I'm not going to give her an LVP point because there is obviously going to be a much larger LVP in this episode. And I am reserving a bit for when we're going to see her in other episodes because the other person that is in mind will not be seen in other episodes for reasons that shall become apparent later. But I do think what she vocalizes in the very last scene, which is I am a flag officer of detached service in a time of war. That is her thesis statement. Yes. If you need an understanding as to where this character is coming from as an antagonist to our heroes, this is her perspective. This is how she views everything. It's like some of the best antagonists out there. She is not purely evil just because that's how she was born. She believes that she is doing the right thing. She believes she is good in this way. It is a time of war. The Cylons are our enemies. We need to do what we need to do to exterminate them. I will say, going back to the other 48 days, why I feel it's necessary is because I do reserve a bit of my thoughts for Admiral K, not only because of that perspective, but also the other 48 days did so much goodwill for the character of Anna Lucia. Yeah. Uh, clearly not enough for some lost fans by the end of it, but I think, especially in re-watching it for DTH, I think you and I gave a lot of kudos to her. We and liked
0: Mich- Anna Lucia quite a bit.
2: Yeah, to her and Michelle Rodriguez of like, This is a person who was put in a role that she did not want to have. You know, her life was in such a tailspin that she was trying to pull out of when she gets on Oceanic 815. And so she is just trying to deal with it the best that she can. The tailies were also forced into a very different situation. And we see a similar situation here where, like, unlike the Big G, which did get fired upon, but was away when the colonies were being bombed, the Pegasus was there on a planet and saw directly the devastation that was happening and barely scraped by. And so I do want more time with her. I want to understand a bit more of her perspective because I I understand it more. But honestly, I want to find out more about her as a character because right now she's coming across as a bit two-dimensionally.
0: Yeah. Um, Well, let's see if we get something like that. That'd be cool. I like that. I think it'd be fun.
2: Yeah. I will also say, I imagine that in this moment, and I personally did not feel this way, but I think that the show is trying to throw out some sort of lure early on to really make it Pegasus.
0: Yeah, Pegasus.
2: The fact that that we don't... The Pegasus
0: would be a good... I mean, honestly, the big G2 would be a good setting for it among us.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's, it's all about throwing things. out. Can of we talked to
0: Puya about like getting some uh, Battlestar Galactica skins for a a duck duck goose uh, a BSG Among Us?
2: Yeah, I mean he has kind of the ears of the the goose goose duck admin. So if they're fans, if duck they're duck Pega
0: goose. I,
2: I like that as well. We know that we know that duck is involved, and in, he is a character. That's in True, the show. yeah,
0: uh huh, that's right.
2: So I, I would imagine that initially the show wants us to feel like it's too good to be true. And I would imagine it was from the perspective of, now, wait, could this entire story be a lie? Could they be working with the Cylons? I didn't believe it initially because, A, as uh, Adama is going to kind of bring up later on, we already kind of had that storyline with the Olympic carrier all the way back in 23. And B, it would just feel, I don't know, I like this angle a lot more. We talked about this with the first Tom Zarek episode. I love it walking dead style when sometimes it's revealed that, Oh, well the humans are sometimes just as deadly as the enemies that are chasing after you. And I think this was so much more of a cogent story to go after of, Oh no, there are no Cylons on the Pegasus, but arguably there were.
0: Yes. Yeah. So we'll see how all of this is going. We've got a lot of room here to go still. Clearly this episode does not resolve uh the Pegasus storyline. So there's definitely more to be told here. Um Kane is uh going to get up to leave. She's going to say the Glack must have a big story too. You don't have to tell it right away. I'll look at your logs. Adama says, "Yes, sir." And Roslin has this moment where she's like uh oh. And Adama's like, yeah, uh, she's my superior officer. Uh, she's she's in charge of the fleet now. And Kane says, I was really hoping uh, this wouldn't be such an awkward conversation. So I'm really glad you brought it up. But yeah, don't worry. It's your ship. The big yeah. G is all yours. I have no desire to interfere with your internal affairs. I feel like that phrasing is worth noting. I have no desire. To interfere yep. with your internal affairs. There's nothing in here that says I won't interfere with your internal affairs. There's a loophole here, Mike.
2: Yeah. Uh, and I think as well, when we'll get to it later on, like she is, and this is again why I go back to the Star Treky aspect, she is trying to go through everything, I would say by the book. I think the way that uh they deal with the Cylons would be sort of the expectation to that. But when we get the climax at the end of, oh no, Hilo and Tyrill are gonna be executed, she does bring up like Yes, I look through their records and through those previous commendations, I made a judgment thusly. And we do have to remember, Tyrrell did kill Crashdown. Yes. And yes, there was sort of a debriefing about how things had gone off the edge. But like, if you look at that through the cold, hard lens of logic from an outsider's perspective, through perhaps an independent tribunal, as Adamo was calling for, this was sort of a redressing of, yeah, you do things a little bit Wild Westy. Out here, and here comes the sheriff back to sort of uh, lord over the town that you've been trying to take care of in my stead.
0: Yeah, so she is going to have this conversation once once Rosalind leaves. Kane is going to have the conversation with the is Like, really? the education secretary. And he's like, she's come a long way. A lot's happened. Um, We get the the mutual information that we both have Cylons aboard. Um, The Adama Cylon has been very cooperative. The Kane Cylon has not been as cooperative. Um, It would be great if Gaius Baltar, who I know, by the way, she's like, oh yeah, I know who Gaius Baltar is. Uh, She would like to, to have him aboard to investigate everything. She also tells him it gives her no pleasure to have to take command Um, And he says, not a moment's thought. Don't worry about it. It's totally fine. Um, Meanwhile, there's another meeting that's happening. It's Ty and Fisk, the Kingpin himself. Mike, Kingpin would be a good call sign.
2: Oh, yeah, that'd be fantastic. And I'm assuming they're getting sloshed while talking about white rabbits in the snow. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, this is a wild thing for many reasons from both sides. Wild thing would
0: have been a good theme song for her to show up to.
2: Yes, absolutely. Uh, I think, is this the first time we've seen Ty laugh? this hard like he was chortling in response to the straight face he attempted to give it to give fisk of like hey don't talk about this bucket of bolts only i can do that
0: yeah uh so yeah she's you know i don't know the the conversation between ty and fisk i think is kind of hilarious uh until until it's decidedly not uh like initially like these two guys are just getting really really drunk Fisk is making fun of the big Chi, uh, the big, the big Chi, uh, the big G uh, and Ty is mad about it, but not really. And they're like joking about it and they're just continuing to drink.
2: And and, and they're drinking, by the way, Tyrell's, you know, illicit
0: alcohol. That's right. You know, we know that uh, that Ty has a supply Uh, and Ty uh, is eventually going to get Fisk so inebriated that that like sort of like dark inebriation happens you know like you've drank too much and then the dark thing comes out the dark thing comes out and the dark thing that comes out is fisk being like yeah so kane killed a guy uh what he's like yeah you know there was a different xo on the ship kane ordered the xo to order an attack he wouldn't do it so she shot him and killed him in front of all these people and then told me to order the attack and that's how i became xo i'm joking no.
2: i'm joking Ty. i'm joking i'm gonna yeah. drink i'm gonna drink all of it
0: <laughs> yeah so i'm gonna drink the whole thing uh <laughs> you gonna tell anybody that i housed ty's moonshine <laughs> uh so he he houses ty's moonshine and tells him this thing and says he's joking he's joking but like ty is gonna meet up with adama and be like yeah i don't think he was joking
2: and the wild thing about this story is that, again, it shows the mirror of a couple of things we've seen in the past on BSG, which is, okay, this person orders uh, a hit out, an attack to happen, and like somebody decides to stand up for themselves and what they believe in and decides not to do it. And as a result, that's the right decision to be made, yeah. and maybe even they have a gun pointed at them, but they still choose not to go through with it. We see what happens when that gun is in the wrong person's hands. Uh, The many antique guns, as we'll see in Uh Kane's office later on.
0: Yes, for sure. Um, Okay, so that's a big uh, side trip that we go on with Colonel Ty. There's a lot of this, like, people meeting each other uh, here in this first bit of the episode. Um, Starbuck is noticing that they paint raiders on the sides. uh, They they paint on the sides of their vipers, uh, keeping scores, like, of how many raiders they've destroyed. Um, Yeah, they're
2: like the Gimli and Legolas BSG.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Racetrack's like, you know, I do that too, but no one ever asked me old racetrack over here. Um, Captain Taylor shows up uh, and he wants to meet with the CAG of the BSG, AKA Lee to get a rundown of his squadron uh and taylor is telling me like oh yeah you got to do this like you got to keep score of your kills it
2: increases morale Uh, captain taylor's such a bro yeah like you can tell with the deck crew that talks later on about the hot cylon like there's such a bro mentality aboard the pegasus that is just so grody that being said i do not think liadama comes across well in this scene either uh he talks about because taylor's putting out like listen it's not just a thing to get a body count it's Encouraging morale to get a competition going. It's Admiral Kane's philosophy. That means it's your philosophy. And Lee's like, just so you know, the name of my commander is Adama. Should be easy to remember because it's my name. It's like, Mm -hmm. why are you trying to pull that card instantly, Lee?
0: Yeah, it's a little uh, instantly Adama. Instantly, yeah. Yeah, who is? It's
2: it's, it's very much, do you know who my father is? Yes,
0: for sure. Uh, Well, look, you know, uh, Nepo Baby Lee, what are you going to do? Yeah, he
2: hasn't had the opportunity to pull that card many times considering that, like, everyone has, he's tried. Everyone else is unimpressed
0: at this point. Yeah, he's got some new people to show off to.
2: Yeah, exactly. But very much does not make a good impression and will soon be under Captain Taylor very soon.
0: Indeed, for sure. Um, Okay, so Kane is going to visit Baby Boomer, uh, is going to meet the Cylon aboard the Big G. Baltar is going to be here as well. Um, uh, Baltar is saying that this model has been very helpful um, and Baby Boomer is figuring this out uh, that, okay, you've encountered another Battlestar. That's great. Um, Kane is talking to Baltar in front of baby boomer as if she's just an object, right? Yeah. Like she's talking about treatment and like, uh, how are you like, uh, how are you dealing with it? Basically Baltar saying, well, we try to treat them like the humans they pretend to be.
2: Yeah. I was going to say Baltar. I mean, I give a lot of kudos to guys Baltar. I, I called last week. Like, I think we're due for a Baltar six storyline. Yeah. And I feel like it was really well done here. And, Baltar is doing a really nice job of towing the line and knowing to take on the tone of who you're communicating with that obviously, as he'll monologue about later on, he has one of the biggest uh, pro Cylon mottos. But right now, he's talking to Kane on her level. Uh, You know, it's not just her who's not acknowledging Baby Boomer. Neither is he. Yes. And concerning that, to your point, he tells her, we treat this model as if it's the human being it pretends to be shows that he's code switching a bit uh, to be like, oh yeah, listen, this is just a means to an end. We don't, I don't like the Cylons.
0: Yeah, Baltar are typically not the most subtle. Uh, and here I think he is being a little more subtle than we are used to seeing from him. Um, Baby Boomer is gonna be like, so you're just gonna ignore me? Like, you're just gonna pretend like I'm not in the room. Um, the look that Grace Park has on her face is so great. Um, yeah. I think this scene is a really good scene for her where I think like she is like, I think she is like innately sensing the danger of this situation. Like there's a new person in charge. And yeah, maybe like a version of me shot Bill Adama, but he has ostensibly been treating me like a human being to some degree. At the very least, I don't get a good vibe from this woman. Uh, It's definitely, is definitely how that's coming across. Um, And Baltar is not getting the greatest vibe either. I don't think Uh, Kane's going to tell Baltar, I'd like you to examine our own Cylon prisoner. Uh, And then six shows up taunting uh a little ha,
2: bit ha, ha, ha. pride come at the a fall yeah i do like that meta aspect from six of oh this time will it be a complete new character or will it be a familiar face or perhaps yep. both in lucy lawless and we also get uh, a fun revisit of uh, someone new reacts to baltar being weird where now we have a new face in kane being like do you always act like this just randomly saying things that are not answering my questions at all <laughs>
0: yeah uh it happens a lot um, Baltar is gonna try and like wave her off. Uh Kane now starts to know, it's like you're a little bit of a weird guy, aren't you? Uh, yeah.
2: And then but then he's also gonna like check out her ass as she's leaving. So yeah, yeah that's yeah. the answer.
0: Yeah, like six is like, gosh, you're such a horned dog. Oh, you ain't nothing but a hound dog would have been a good theme song to come out to, also.
2: Mm, yeah. I would prefer what's a better is there another like Jailhouse Rock would be a good uh, yeah, one?
0: Yeah, maybe that that could have done suspicious minds, pega Pega Suspicious Minds. Pega
2: suspicious minds. That's there it. we go.
0: That's it. Um, okay, so Ty's gonna go back to well, Adama. How about actually, like,
2: a little less conversation, a little more action.
0: That's also very good. I mean, that's always Baltar's theme song. We should do theme songs for everybody at some point. Um, Ty is going to tell Adama, like, hey, so by the way, uh that XO story is totally true. And Adama says, Well. We're just going to have to wait for all the facts. Context matters. We've done some we've done some fracked up shirt ourselves here, Colonel Ty.
2: Yeah, Ty's like, oh, well, they executed a crew member. And Adama's like, we blew up a ship full of civilians because we yeah. maybe thought there was a Cylon on board. It's been hard, you know,
0: is basically his, his whole deal. You declared
2: uh, martial law and had Marines open fire on <laughs> civilians like two weeks ago, my dude.
0: Yeah, Ty's like, well, let's see if Kane won't send her logs over. And Adama's like, yeah. That'd be nice. Uh, Adama's already sort of like settled into the new routine. Like he's good as he's going to tell, uh, I think he's going to tell Rosalind in a scene from now, like this has basically been my career. Like, you know, yeah. I just, I I do orders. It's fine.
2: Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. That is the military. You take orders from somebody until you inevitably get to the top. And so it makes sense. I really do not discredit Adama whatsoever for the attitude he cops in the first two thirds of the episodes, because this is a reminder of structure. Again, this is this blast from the past, like meeting a version of your past self in a way. And not to say that Kane completely resembles that, but just it's a stark reminder to him about where they came from and some sort of rule of law that needs to be respected. That's been talked about this entire time of like, how does society rebuild itself? And so I think the attitude he's copying right now makes sense considering that this is a military man at the end of the day and good soldiers follow orders.
0: Certainly do. Um, Chief and Callie are working together on a Raptor. Uh, There's a bunch of spare parts that are coming in uh, from the Pegasus. Chief is starting to like that gang. Um, Gata is getting some software patches, uh, navigational updates and system upgrades, uh, along with the complete Pegasus onboard digital library. Everything from the articles of colonization to Zarek's trial record. Uh, He also asks if they have any porn.
2: Gata. (laughs) I think this man needs to be sent to the Astral Queen. Does this make
0: you feel more or less suspicious of Felix Gata as a possible Cylon? Uh on the one hand, like are Cylons looking up porn? On the other hand, we know that Cylons are fairly horny.
2: Well, I think also, would it not be someone disguising as a human to be like, (laughs) sex, am I right? Yeah, sex. I love love that porn. (laughs) Bags of sand. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like Gata is almost trying a bit too hard but the more we find out about this guy honestly the less the less i like him if he is not a cylon he is some like depraved strange little man no
0: no way no way felix gata is a king uh felix gata uh now has all of this information i mean it's great that this digital library has been upgraded the way that it's been upgraded uh you got to imagine that this all of this information could come in handy someday mike
2: yeah, I definitely think this is something that's going to be pulled out at a later time or, or even just for like expediency's sake, this will be a nice form of exposition to use. Though ironically enough, talk about like the channels of communication. Here, Pegasus has all this refurbished technology that the Big G has, but the Big G in a bit of a symbiotic thing has information. They didn't know that Guy's Baltar was president, vice president. They didn't know that Laura Roslin was president. They don't know that, hey our prisoner happens to look a lot like that woman, Shelly Godfrey that Adama put out an entire right. APB on to the entire fleet of watch out for this lady.
0: Right. Uh, so lots of questions still out there. Um, Rosalind and Adama are going to have this conversation uh, where uh, basically he has to express to to her that like, I'm good. Don't worry about me. She's like, but how are you actually feeling? Uh, and he's like, it's simple. She outranks me. That's how it is. She says, you know, there's, you know, some way in which, like, if President Adar showed up right now, I would be elated. But it's clear, like, she doesn't exactly feel that way about what's going on with Adama and Kane.
2: Yeah. And I love that she refers to that, though, this idea of, listen, if someone else could come in and make all my responsibilities of making sure all these people are alive disappear. It would be great. But, but would the, you really relax?
0: Right. Yeah, like, I but, think but, but, like the, you're human
2: it. at the end of the day. You know, there is a part of you that I think likes being in charge from yeah. a certain aspect. Even I think the people that are lower on the pecking order in the military industrial complex, like somebody to give orders to. And so, This will unfortunately be like one of the last times we check in with Roslyn for the rest of the episode. But I think it's a really interesting perspective that she essentially puts words in Adama's mouth when he can't say them.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, Okay, another meeting. Here's Laird. Uh, By far
2: the best Pegasus crew member. Bar none. Laird, like down to earth super relatable i love his story maybe that's another reason why i want the pegasus story because like this is almost a mr echo like thing yeah um, here's an aeronautics engineer who now has to become a deck chief out of nowhere
0: yeah do you think that he's gonna get along with anthony Figursky?
2: i think tony Figursky and him i think laird has that sort of everyman appeal but not much as chief like chief has that rough exterior but a heart of gold Laird seems like the guy that's like, listen, this is a little awkward, but he feels a little too toast to replace Chief.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, here's Laird. Uh, the Laird.
2: Plus, he's going to call the next Viper he sees an ugly baby, and that's going to really upset Anthony Furgurski.
0: Yeah. He. That's a. That's a very good point. Uh, but Laird's like, hey, I uh, got to be honest. Like, uh, you know, uh, this this Blackbird, pretty ugly. But like, ugly baby, like, also kind of like has this sweet connotation too, perhaps.
2: Yeah. I mean, at least he's trying to be, like, you know, tug-in-cheek about it. And Tyrell... Gets along with him, mostly because it's flattering his ego, considering he's like, ah, let me check out the ship that you built last episode. And Tiro's like, yes, people want to check out how I unrealistically built a ship in a week.
0: Yes. Uh, so we'll see if we get more layered uh, moving forward. um We are going to have Baltar go to the Pegasus and meet Pegasus. Before he meets Pegasus, he meets Alistair Thorne, who, spoiler alert, shall be dunked upon. In the LVP section of this podcast, I believe it's going to be a clean sweep for Alistair Thorne.
2: It should. It yes. should be. Much like, again, referring to that Heroes episode, we dunked on Zach. I believe, Matt Lanter's character. He should get the clean sweep here. He should plummet immediately to the bottom of the power rankings, considering what he does in this episode.
0: Yeah, uh, a real Jason McCormick, this guy.
2: Mm-hmm. One, yeah. And he will end up like Jason McCormick at the yes. end of this episode.
0: Yes, the Jason McCormick of Battlestar Galactica is here. Alistair Thorne. Uh, not, to be pl- confer- not to be compared with uh, Sir Alistair Thorne. No, that's true. Alistair
2: Thorne meet Alistair Thorne. Um, gosh. I mean, to be honest, this is probably the most comparable storyline to Game of Thrones that we have experienced on <laughs> This BSG. is a very
0: thrones storyline, for sure. Um, and his name is almost Throne. Alistair yeah, that's Thorne. True.
2: Game of Thorns. You know, there you oh, go. the King of Thorns.
0: Um, Baltar is going to enter the cell, and it's Head Six who is horrified first to see that it is another Six copy. Um, Trisha oh. Helfer talks a bit about this on Battlestar Galacticast for this week's episode, um, and how she went, you know, pretty method to play this character. Um, that she was, you know, in many ways relieved to get the chance to play this character, but also how intense it was. Um, she had been dyeing her hair, I believe, to yeah, play six. I
2: was going to ask about that. Mm-hmm. but I imagined her the Pega Six hair was probably that's her, more her actual hair,
0: huh? that's her actual hair color. But I, I, I maybe. Um, not getting this totally right but in like the dye job of the hair and then like converting it back like she lost some of her hair as a result so like sort of the, the patchy quality that you're seeing is like very real i think she wanted to shave her head for the for the character instead this is what we what we get and i believe that this is like the origin point for uh the makers of battlestar galactica to be like yeah, you could wear wigs. It's cool. You know, uh, like yeah. that's that's fine. We'll just like make sure our wig department is is really good moving forward. You shouldn't have to lose hair for this show. Um, yeah. but Trisha Helfer, uh, so so good. Uh this this character, Pegasix, who we're meeting now, like instantly your your heart just like goes out to her. And I think James Callis as Baltar does such a good job oh. of um being the audience surrogate for this, uh, that even a guy like Gaius, who has somewhat of a detached view of humanity sometimes, and is so self-involved that even a man like him, like looks at what he's looking at. And like, this is just horrific, just absolutely oh, horrific.
2: I love this scene so much. First, again, to finally see that different side of Trisha Helfer be unlocked. And that not to say like, I think she's done a great job of being that super, uber woman most powerful person in the room especially with the hold she has over Baltar but to see her in this completely different state and the way it's shot initially where it's just the camera on the two of them still building up a bit of mystery even though if you look in the reflection of the glass you can see Pegasix there but you see their faces and in my opinion that was all you needed to know whereas she immediately recoils And she is grabbing for his hand and she is struck. This is something that despite the quibbles we have with like, okay, but how much do the Cylons know about what versions of themselves are doing? This is clearly something that took her by surprise. And as much as she has been touting the entire time, you know, humanity sucks, you know, you are the ills of society. And that's why we are purging the world of the sins as dictated by our God. At the same time, this is really a represent- representation of that to her. You know, this is really yeah. making the Cylons points kind of valid. Yes, of, This yes. is how we are treated. We are dehumanized. We are not treated as equals. We are treated as pure vessels of Objects. information that all you need to do is just hit them in the right places and they'll give up the ghost. Though I will say another reason why Thorne gets an LBP point among many is, is didn't Kane also say that they could barely get any information out of they her got in the nothing. first place? They
0: got nothing. They got so Then nothing. why do you
2: keep doing this?
0: Yeah, they got nothing. Because he's sick and horrible, uh, I think is probably the answer. Um, But I think that that's also really a big reflection on Kane. Uh, That Kane... I don't think Kane is anything uh, of an outside-the-box thinker. I don't yeah. think that Admiral Kane rolls the hard six. No, you know? she
2: definitely is by the books in many ways. I think she pretty much came through this entire thing and would spill as much blood as she wanted to, human and Cylon alike, under this idea of, like, whatever it takes. You know, this is what's been taught into me. I know that Adama said that she was a bit of an upstart, had accelerated her way to the Admiralty at a very young age, and I imagine part of that would be, like, Following things to the letter of the law that didn't impress certain brass in charge, so they immediately upgraded her.
0: Uh, there's some great moments here with Baltar and Six, um, Head Six being uh, told to leave for a time and her like being very on board with that. Yeah. Uh, so she dips out. I love um, Six's
2: line Can't you stop being a scientist for one minute and see yep. the abused woman in front of you? I mean, she's asking him to be human. Yeah, Which is such an interesting idea, considering that, again, Six's entire MO to this point has kind of been taunting Baltar of, like, don't you see all the bad things that humans have done? Now she's asking him to be human in this moment. And subsequently to, again, show his admiration for her that he'll talk about later on, he promises he will do everything he can to help her.
0: Yeah. Um, Baltar is going to get Admiral Kane to, like, give actual creature comforts, and I don't know, like... Just basic necessities to, to, to Pegasus. Yeah. Uh, he's, He ultimately tells her because she's resistant. And we've seen Baltar do some social engineering in the past, typically to save his own skin. Here he is trying to save somebody else. Uh, and he says that um, you've used the stick. It's time to use the carrot. Uh, Kane Don't is. Don't
2: give her the stick.
0: <laughs> Kane is a whole. Kane's going to tell Fisk to get Baltar whatever he needs. Uh, so that is officially on its way. Um, Adama comes to the Pegasus uh, and goes to uh, Admiral Kane's office, which is uh, a standing desk situation only.
2: Freaking Bradley Cooper Kane here. No chairs on set. Standing only so we can make these meetings five minutes long. I want to feel like that was also a reference in Star Trek, but I can't remember what for the life of me.
0: Mm, Yeah. So she says it goes faster. You know, when people don't have to sit, they get to their point quicker. Uh, I guess there's a point to that, uh, but it wouldn't be the worst thing to have like <laughs> Please, a my, chair. My
2: feet hurt, Admiral Kane. Let me just tell you what you need to know.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I think uh, you know. From that
2: perspective, why not make the Cylons stand? You know, yeah.
0: Admiral Kane is telling on herself. She has all of like these ancient relics, these like firearms in glass cages. Like I don't know, kind of kind of a weirdo, uh, Admiral yeah. Kane. To put-
2: Exactly. Lightly, yeah. You know, Starfleet captains, they like horse riding. They like baseball. They like coffee. What do
0: they you know- like, Admiral <laughs> King? Guns.
2: Guns. Weaponry. As much ammunition as possible.
0: Yeah. Uh, so she says it's time to talk about the logs. Uh, and it's very clear that the Cylons have been following you. Um, the fleet is composed of two base stars, a dozen support ships, a large vessel they can't identify that the Cylons are
2: protecting. You do have an entire show named after you, so you're not exactly inconspicuous. Uh,
0: and, uh, she says, I want to go after this ship that, uh, that the Cylons are protecting. That's what I'm interested in. Adama says, yep, I would love to be a part of that. I'll have Apollo start coordinating with your CAG. And she says, yeah, well, that's the other thing. I'm integrating the crews. Uh, Lee's coming to the Pegasus. Bill yeah. furious.
2: Well, yeah, but again, I think Kane is coming in from this very from her perspective, at least logical standpoint of yeah, I watched the previous Leons, uh, you know, I I binged the, the season up to this point, and mm-hmm. you know, he did try to declare a mutiny, he did point a gun. To your CAG's head. He did abscond with the president at a certain point while you were indisposed. Oh, yeah. Also, there's this one Starbuck who, Starbucks who like
0: Starbucks been a freak. Hilo's yeah, been a freak.
2: Hilo will literally got freaky with a Cylon, and we don't like Cylons. You see the one we've tortured over there in the break. Let's not even discuss your XO. And so, yeah, it's an interesting trope that we sometimes experience, sort of like the cold bucket of water coming in to be like, yes, you were all lovable, yet flawed characters, but I'm seeing you more so for your flaws than your lovability.
0: Yeah, uh, he says uh, that my unit works really well closely together, and she says, nah, I appreciate that you feel that way. And Lee's way.
2: like, are we speaking about units again?
0: Yeah, we're back on the leanest. Uh, she says, nope, I'm not I'm not interfering with your command. I'm saving your command. Uh, she gives him the, the transfer list to have some of these people come yeah. um, over.
2: She's saying like, you're too close. You're too personally involved. You shouldn't have hired your son. And again, I think we are led to believe, especially near the end, like how dare she do this? But again, I think from her perspective, especially considering she is someone who cares very little for the people that are working for her more so than the greater good, in a manner of speaking, that like, I think this completely is in her wheelhouse for her to look at everything that has happened on the big G rule out the idea of, okay, you did whatever it takes just to make it another day, even if it meant bending the rules. There are standards that you should uphold, and I am here to uphold said standards.
0: Yep. Um, Laird comes back. Uh, no, sorry, I'm, I'm skipping ahead a little bit. Lee and Starbuck are mad. They really don't like this. Uh, Adama says, listen, it's orders. I don't know what to tell you. You got to do it. You can't fight back against it. You just got to do it. You've gotten used to bending the rules. That is over. And then when he dismisses them, he then adds, Watch out for yourselves. I do think you're both getting gunned for. Uh, yeah, and then
2: Lee replies, uh, you too, buddy.
0: Yeah, they're coming for all of us. Uh, so now Laird comes back to Galactica's hangar, uh, and Chief tells him uh, that he's got this idea about how to increase the Blackbird's fuel efficiency. Callie is not happy about this uh, because Chief says that they just heard some frackwit from the Pegasus is taking over the deck, and Laird's like, yeah, it's me, I'm sorry.
2: Yeah, and I did like that as well that, like, Tyrrell has the moment of realization. And again, I think there's some respect between them. This is not like the Captain Taylor, Lee, and Starbucks situation. Like, Laird is in a weird situation in many ways. And I think tyrell is the least pissed off about his demotion.
0: Yeah. uh well, He's got other things to be mad about. So he's conserving some energy, perhaps. <laughs> um we get to uh CAG Taylor's uh briefing this is where Starbuck and Lee are talking in class uh got no Lee's
2: Lee's trying to be the goody two-shoes he's the one that's just sitting there Starbuck's the one like god take a look at this frack weight over here yeah
0: it's a classic thing she's gonna get her friend in detention he didn't do anything uh
2: but she says your plan sucks Yeah, because well, so the mission is that they are just doing some photo recon on this mysterious giant vessel, which I imagine is going to be a big focus in the next two episodes, especially oh really,
0: why? What are the next two episodes called,
2: Mike? Oh, yes, I believe it's called, like, Vessel of Mystery or something. uh uh-huh, that's right, yeah. Part yeah, one and so, two. suffice it to say, unless they're just referring uh-huh. to, I don't know, the human condition, uh, yeah. taking a bit more holistic approach to it, but right now... Sorry, I've got no poker face on that one, Mike. Uh, the next two no. episodes are called Resurrection Ship,
0: part one and part two, so... Yeah, no you know.
2: no color's face, as it were. <laughs> no. I see the fold in the cards, Josh. Yeah. I've studied them well enough at yeah, this point. Sure. I, mean pretty good. I don't is, mind letting
0: that slip. That's
2: Taylor's fine. plan is to, Millennium Falcon style, just post up on the Underbell of a moon and just like wait for it to pass by and paparazzi style sneak a photo starbuck argues like yeah you realize the cylons are super smart right like you guys have been tracking them for as long as we have they know the moon is a blind spot instead hey we just built this super sneaky special ship called the laura why don't i just follow behind and even though lee is again going to try to be like the model new kid and keep his mouth shut he will give Starbuck on the sly an entire recon kit for her to do her own work.
0: Yeah, so uh, Taylor doesn't like this. Uh, she's not going to be part of this. Uh, Lee, you will be part of this. He's just like,
2: yep, whenever you want. Yeah, he gets to drive the Raptor.
0: Yeah, he's going to be a Raptor pilot for this one, which is an unusual he, look for Lee.
2: He's the crash down.
0: Mm-hmm, that's right. Uh, So he's going to give her some surveillance equipment and get it to the Blackbird and get the pictures of the ship we need. So they're already freelancing out.
2: Yes, exactly. Meanwhile, we go back to the Big G, where these Pega Bros are up to no good and really riling up the uh, mutual lovers of Sharon, the this the Cylon lovers in Tyrrell and Hilo.
0: Yeah, so this is getting us into uh, a scene that we've already talked about, uh, to to some gory detail. Uh, Gauge and Vareem, who are these Pega Bros, who show up and they're talking about Baby Boomer in front of both Chief and Hilo uh and they're talking really disgustingly about uh about the Cylons and specifically what Thorne did with Pegasus, uh and uh that baby boomer is gonna have to be broken in is what they say and Hilo is ready to fight this guy immediately but Chief's like no 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 no, we don't have to fight these guys we have to kill Alistair <laughs> Thorne
2: yeah we have exactly. to go and
0: kill that guy and so I don't mean to yada yada through this, but I don't want to get too deep into the gory details. It is a really, really disturbing scene Mm -hmm. as Thorn comes in with some of his fellows to baby boomers cell to ask about this mysterious ship that may or may not be the subject of the episode titles for the next two episodes of Battlestar Galactica. And he is going to go about the very terrible business. Uh, It is a, a horrible, horrible scene. He's beating her. Hilo and Chief are arriving as the rape is underway.
2: Uh, And even so, when she is thrown over the bed, she says, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, even though I do believe her that she doesn't have any information about it concerning what we saw as soon as the last episode where Baltar and Adama have both said she is free to give up information to help the cause. And even when she is admitting that she'll do what he says, he proceeds forward with it, which is just a brutal yet, I think absolutely blistering representation of the power dynamic that can exist on this show of like, it doesn't matter what you give me. I want something from you. And I would also imagine this is drawing some real world comparisons as well. I, I pretty sure around this time, maybe it was when the news was coming out about like Guantanamo Bay Mm -hmm. and all the various things that were being done to those prisoners that like yeah, listen, there is a very fine line between feeling like you're doing things to get information out of someone and just playing your little ugly power trip over there. Yeah,
0: this show was really of its moment. This show was very much in conversation with the, the era that it was existing in, you know, like the mid 2000s in the in the wake of 9-11 and the wars that ensued as a result of that. In many ways, it is still deeply in conversation with our world, which is very horrible to consider, but it's just the truth um i think there are you know not everybody comes to their entertainment for this which i totally yeah. totally understand escapism
2: is an absolute thing yeah
0: you know but i think that this is a show that has always been willing to kind of like you know something that i've said to you along the way is like are he, like i couldn't it, i couldn't think of a single main character like a single one of our quote-unquote heroes our protagonists that doesn't have a little red in their ledger eventually at Mm -hmm. some point in time like there is no clear black and white good and bad character necessarily um and in terms of like our main cast I think even since I said that you could probably really see that now Lee Adama held a gun to his XO uh Adama uh you know like ordered a coup basically you know like People have done gnarly gnarly. Baltar um,
2: killed Crashdown.
0: Baltar killed Crashdown. Cali so like,
2: killed Boomer.
0: You know, this show this show tends to like dirty its characters up and get into some like really really muddy murky territory this is another such instance except with a character who thankfully we have no reason to sympathize with whatsoever and exactly. indeed can root and hoot and holler as chief galen tyrell brains this dude uh, yes. throws thorn across the room and his head slams into a bolt on the wall and he is instantly killed It is a merciful ending to this scene and a very just ending to this horrible human being that I think is being selected as the avatar of some of the really, truly heinous horrors of war that you would not expect to be depicted on your science fiction show. So if it's jarring, if it's upsetting, It's absolutely what they are going for, I think. And I would totally understand if anyone is like, I can't watch this. uh, It's really, really, really difficult to watch.
2: For lack of a better term, it's a real naked look at a reality that can exist within the military, which is the dehumanization of the enemy. We talk about this a number of times and how that really intriguingly factors into a show where the enemies are not human or are they? But at the same time, that dehumanization can allow you to do really extreme, terrible things because it allows you to enact almost your own fantasies and act upon your own urges because, hey, it doesn't matter. They're not even human. Yeah. And I think getting to see that play out in such an incredibly graphic way, again, I don't want to dig too much into it, but the way it is shot, I think clearly implies to me that it gets fairly far Uh, And to see Tyrell and Hilo, who do kind of make up last episode, but like really make a concerted effort together and will die for it together to like break protocol. You know, I think even beating these guys up would be charged for treason, let alone accidentally killing one of them. To see them charge in, I think really represents what Adama is going to do later. It really sets it up of... Yeah, insubordination might actually be apt if you are feeling that the people that are pushing you under should not be doing so for those reasons.
0: Yeah, but I think like in some ways it is is both very Adama-like and very not Adama-like what he does by the end of this episode. So it's a really important decision that he's going to go on and make. Um, Hilo and Chief are going to be taken back to Pegasus uh, to stand for their crimes uh, in a tribunal. Uh, Adama wants this to happen on the Big G. Kane says, I'm senior convening officer. Uh, And Adam says, there's got to be an independent tribunal. And Kane says, oh, you mean like the one that you dissolved?
2: Yep. So again, this is a great example of her referring to the previous episodes and saying like, yeah, you did a lot of shady shit. Yep. Yep. And we are trying to follow things by the letter of the law. So apologies if I'm not going to slight things in your corner.
0: Baltar is going to go back to visit Pegasus 6. This is his scene of... uh, You know, this is sort of like his Luke Skywalker. My name is Gaius Baltar. I'm here to rescue you.
2: Mm -hmm, Exactly. And she says, you're a little too British for Gaius Baltar. A little
0: short for vice president of the 12 colonies. Yeah, Uh, but but
2: Baltar has this really great monologue that I don't think revealed any surprises, but I think is a nice reminder, a check-in as to where the character stands. Where... You look
0: like the woman that I love, right? Yeah, like how, I see uh, her how... in you.
2: He talks about how he knew a woman before the attack when she wasn't in my bed, she was in my thoughts. She was a Cylon, and she changed my life in a very real, fundamental way. I love her. To this very day, I love her, and she looks exactly like you. My name is Guy's Baltar, and I'm here to help you. And Josh, I wonder if this was a purposeful choice or not, but I mentioned it before, the first thing that Pegasus takes a bite of is an apple. Yeah. Yeah. Could this be some sort of like, uh, again, like Adam and Eve, you know, uh, there was a lot of talk about six and Baltar being like the mother and father of whatever comes next for both civilizations. I I feel like there's a lot of biblical stuff there. I mean, we talk about the tree of knowledge and the knowledge that got brought over to the big G as well. I will also say,
0: see, I was not thinking of it that deeply. I was thinking, I'm computer. I see computer product. I eat Apple.
2: Ah, that could be it as well. Maybe she's a PC in that way. Uh, But I also think, at least from my perspective, from the way it was filmed, I feel like you could almost see, like, a slight smile from Pegasix. Maybe it's just the way that the camera was on Trisha Helfer. But, like, as he was talking, maybe I subconsciously saw this. But, like, it's almost like, and I'm assuming we'll find out more about her now that she's, like, slightly cogent as the episodes go along, that she... I would imagine has some knowledge of Gaius yeah. Baltar, just like how baby boomer has some knowledge of Tyrol that even though she is not head six in any way that they have some sort of relationship.
0: Um, on the Battlestar Galactic cast, Trisha Helfer says that that scene, her performance in the scene was her going full method and breaking down herself during the take. Um, so yeah, yeah really, really he's
2: crying, part. and I give it a lot to James Callis. he's crying as well. And you can see that, like, this,
0: this is, is a really emotionally intense episode. And we've yeah. heard already that uh, Tom O'Peniket and Grace Park, who play Hilo and Boomer, they talked about how they were going method for their stuff on Caprica. And I think, um, what we talked about last week with Aaron Douglas as Chief Tyrrell, what we've talked about over the over the you know, episodes with um, Edward James. Almost and Mokadama, <laughs> that I think that this just does tend to be like there is an intensity to the actors in what they are, um, how they are performing their methods for performance and then the material that they are covering. You can only imagine how hard of an episode Pegasus was to film for so yeah. many reasons. So many of these scenes are just so brutal.
2: Now, I would imagine that they also took a break from filming as well. That just wasn't like, okay, they filmed 13 episodes and just strategically took a break. I believe so, but I don't
0: know that for sure.
2: Because that'd be nice as well. Like, all right, everyone, just take like three Take five, yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. but I love the fact that Baltar is crying in response because it does show that, again, as much as we love the like sneaky, slimy, as long as it ain't me aspect of guys Baltar, that he clearly has room in his heart for one person in particular and I do think, listen, if it was like a version of Sharon Valeri there, I still think he would have sympathy for him, for her. But like him having to see a version of the woman that he loves be just so beaten down into a state of like near, you know, death, I think really affected him.
0: So the rest of the episode really deals with the fallout of Chief and Hilo getting arrested for the killing of Alistair Thorne. Um, we're going to see Lee is really distracted by this when he's with Captain Taylor. Captain Taylor says, we got a recon mission to perform. Get your head in the game. Uh, we're going to see, uh, Callie asking Adama, what's the word? What's up with chief? He's like, I know chief's a good guy. Like we'll figure this out. And Gata calls Adama to head to the CIC. Uh, it's tie here. Uh, Hey, they've done the court martial already. Chief and heal are going to be killed. That was fast.
2: Yeah, uh, there's a bit of a kangaroo court as Adama, even before hailing Kane, says, I want a Marine strike team in a Raptor in five minutes. And it's not too dissimilar from the way that season one ended, where I think as soon as like Adama gets it in his gut that like I need to do this, he immediately jumps into action and then kind of explains himself on the way.
0: Yeah, so he is not having this. He's pissed. He is preparing. He gets Kane on the line. How could this have possibly been fair? She says, "I sure I heard. I assure you. I heard them out. I took their service records into account." Adama says they have a right to a jury. She says Ugh. regulations give me broad authority. Uh, yeah. The, uh, like- the
2: other thing is that which boiled my blood, and I think they meant to do this. Is not only was it because of the guilt, uh, the uh, the records that they had, but also the uh, the 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 words from the guards that were in yeah. the room, and it was just this classic thing of like. Yeah, of course, they're going to stick up for fracking Thorne because he's probably did this a number of times with Pegas Six, And they're like, oh, well, listen, we'll we'll stick up for our bro. We'll keep this secret. And so naturally, it's their words against the others. And because these two guys happen to do some not so clean stuff, they're going to get the, the eyes turned down on them.
0: Yeah. So it's a real standoff. Uh, Kane says, I don't take orders from you. Adama says, I'm getting my men. She says, you're making a grave mistake. He doubles down. I'm getting my men. Uh, Pegasus is set to action stations. They launch their Vipers. Fisk is trying to say, hey, this is going to spiral out of control. She says, Fisk, do you want to go the way of the old XO, (laughs) the XXO? Do you
2: you remember what happened to the last time XOXO, Gossip Kane? Adama has taken...
0: She wants to target the Galactica's main battery. She wants to yeah. blow up a battle star over this.
2: Not only that, again, the flagship uh, the flagship of the fleet up to this point. She says Adama has taken us over the line and it's a, a really fun boundary. I know we like talking about lines here on DTH, but I think again if we talk about it from her perspective, she feels like okay, you've gone too far. You need to be smacked into place. And apparently being smacked into place is to just like render them completely useless and then assumingly sweep in and just completely commandeer them. So the episode ends in much the way that it
0: began, where before we went to credits at the start of the episode, we see the crews of the Galactica and the Pegasus intermingling with the Battlestar Pegasus in the background. It was a joyous uh image. Now it is a terrifying one as the Vipers are heading towards each other with uh you know with violence in their mind and on their on their orders. Uh so it's a to be continued. Um Battlestar Galactica took a several month break after mm-hmm. this episode. We're going to take one month to enjoy the holidays and get our feet back under us. It's an intense episode. I think all of us could use the time to recover.
2: Yeah, but what a wild way to end things off. This is like the Mr. Warfire of BSG where things are really left in suspension. We're going to have now this brand new hotness in the Pegasus. But nevertheless, I mean, we saw the vessel. They are stocked to the nines. Their crews are merciless. They mark down how many raiders they've taken out. They're being dispatched to just completely dismantle the big G and all of our protagonists. That's going to be tough. And yeah. so I'm really excited for what happens next. You know, I think we're not really going to have uh, Hilo and Tyrrell fighting their way out of it. Like we might've seen with Laura Roslin and Lee Adama, but all of our characters are left in weird positions as well. Like, are Apollo Is Apollo going to get called back? Is he going to be on the recon mission still? What's Starbuck going to do? And then obviously, how is Adama going to deal with the fact that he is probably going to get boarded while simultaneously he is sending people in to try to get his men back? There's just a lot left open. Gaius Baltar is on the Pegasus now. What happens to him when everything right. gets to be under siege? I do think a lot of characters could be in danger. I mean... Based on the way the show is going and the title of the show, I would imagine the Big G is going to win this battle ultimately, but I'm not sure what that entails.
0: Uh, what if the Pegasus just rebrands?
2: <laughs> we are Galactica now.
0: Yeah, look at me. Look at me. So, yeah, I'm it's the like, Big uh, G now. It's like
2: when they recast the main character and say that it's uh, the same person the whole time.
0: Yep. Um, Okay, MVPs and LVPs. Oh, one really quick thing to note that I think is interesting. Uh, Ben has been marking the number of surviving humans along the way uh, and uh, of how many people are alive in the fleet. As of last week, I believe that number was 47,853 souls in the Colonial Fleet. That Mm -hmm. number increases uh, to 49,605 thanks to the nearly 2,000 individuals introduced via the Pegasus. So
1: Now,
2: does that count the minus one of Thorne?
0: I think so. Yeah, I think he's out. I think he's out. Um, all right, top and bottom five, MVPs and LVPs. We already told you our LVPs. Thorn is getting straight dunked upon. Five LVP yep. points blasted to Alistair Thorne. No further explanation required. He is tied at the bottom of season two with Meyer, uh, who also has negative five.
2: Yep, I think that makes sense. Meyer was the, like, one-two punch of just a bad character. This if Thorne's was...
0: body is featured in Resurrection Ship, what if it's Thorne who gets resurrected, Mike?
2: Oh, my God, and then they just kill him all over again? Yeah, Listen, yeah. i want to be mad at it. Uh, but, keep piling on. Yeah, but I think we could Jason McCormick get that if Thorne appears. Like, we can make a special exception of, yeah, Anytime this dude is mentioned or appears huh? once screen. Yeah, a or if a character thinks of Thorne, I'm going to give him an LVP point because, Far and away. Meyer, yes, we did not like him and felt that he was kind of a useless character on the show. Thorne, I understand he serves a purpose and has thematic representations, but like far and away the most attested show. For yeah, sure. Far none. Purposely um,
0: so. Our MVPs, I think, are really aligned, actually, Mike. Uh our MVPs seem to be um involving mostly like the human and Cylon relations in this episode, just to yada yada them a bit. I've selected a uh, chief and baby boomer. Uh, you selected Baltar and I also added one for Pegasix. um I think that this also kind of speaks for itself. Great performances across the board. Um, powerful character moments for everybody, and for me, with Baby Boomer and Pegasix, especially some uh, like victim compensation, uh, with at least an MVP point, uh, yeah, for, for those characters,
2: yeah, completely agree. Uh, and Baltar does a great job of not only convincing Kane to allow him to make the accommodations, but actually is successful. Plus great performance from James Callis. Uh, and yeah, chief being able to step in poor Hilo kind of does get shafted here a little bit, but chief does deliver the killing blow. And as you mentioned, Pegasus and Pegasus and baby boomer, I think both get sympathy points here for just the fracked up situations they're in. Yeah. Uh, final MVP point. You've got one, Mike. Yeah. It's got to go to Adama. Uh, I think that he was, trending relatively neutral he was newching out in this episode just (laughs) because again he was doing what he has been trained to do for all these years which is just to follow the chain of command but he does in my opinion make the right decision here he does realize that yes sometimes that protocol has to be broken we predicated an entire series upon it and so listen we'll find out how much more red is going to be in his ledger over the course of these two episodes he may have just started like an entire ass civil war that uh kane warned him about but in the moment i absolutely love what he did and the way he did it yeah
0: um that currently leaves us with um a tie at the top of the mvps between chief and baby boomer are oh, both with five elites.
2: the weird we can't call them a power couple yeah though, because it's like uh if one half of the power couple was the other half's twin sister <laughs>
0: Yeah, uh, and then Adama is in a three way tie with Starbuck and Deanna, not Troy, uh, who we have not seen since her first appearance. So she had a really strong opening episode. You um, know,
2: I, I was wondering if that was going to be the silent because I was thinking, okay, who is this mysterious silent? I don't think it'd be a new character. My my number one theory was that it would be six because I would imagine again they didn't get the Shelley Godfrey memo, but I yeah. was thinking maybe it would be Deanna because I don't think it's freaking Simon.
0: No, it's not Simon. Um, The Cylons versus the fleet. If this is not a nooching out leaning Cylons, uh, right?
2: Yeah, I would say either Cylons or nooch. I'm going to go nooch just because the Cylons did not appear in this episode. I think... We kind of want to avoid the default of, well, because everything was happening in the fleet and things went badly, therefore it was the Cylons. The Cylons didn't seem to really do anything in this episode. And arguably, you could say it was not a great episode for the Cylons, considering what happened to our two Cylon characters in this episode.
0: Right. And also, like, they've got this important ship that's being scouted out, all of this stuff. So, like, not really, like, a strong, like, the Cylons versus the fleet episode, but certainly... What should be a very easy win for the fleet, which is adding nearly 2000 individuals, the fact that that's not a clear victory makes it something of a loss in and of itself, uh, given the actions that occur throughout this episode. Um it is a uh, a big win for the episode itself as far as I am concerned we're doing the 4.2 Battle Stars rating every episode on a scale from 0 to 4.2 you can do that as well send your scores in down the hatch at postshowrecaps.com to send in your scores for every episode 0 to 4.2 this is a very clean 4.2 for me I think the Pegasus uh the Pegasus episode is just it feels like an event. Like, I feel like this feels like an event. Like it is one of those mid season finale moments that really earns the, the moniker. Uh, So um, I think it's a complicated episode. I think it's an exhilarating episode. It's a deeply distressing episode. It is filled with incredible work from everybody who worked on Battlestar Galactica from the, the, the just insane second at bat uh, from Ann Kofel Saunders to the direction from Michael Reimer, the score, as you mentioned, uh, from from Bear McCreary, uh, despite the tragic lack of some of the theme songs that we would have loved to have seen rolled out here on Admiral Kane's arrival, the acting themselves, um, you know, our principal cast, the newcomers, Michelle Forbes is so immediately realized as Admiral Kane. I think it's a really impressive episode of Battlestar Galacta, even if it's a very difficult one, but this is an impressive and difficult show.
2: Well, and I think at the same time, and this was something that I believe was brought up in the Discord, that I think the regular cut of it was probably even darker. I think when you add in all the deleted scenes to get the extended cut, I think it actually does bring a nice balance of it, that yes, obviously there is that one incredibly depraved scene yeah. but i do think again the episode is so nicely paced of really boiling the frog of like letting us get get settled in into all this excitement of all these new faces and what's going on with admiral kane and what have they been doing that we didn't realize they've been turning up the temperature the entire time and it slowly sets in of oh yeah she does outrank adama oh yeah he does have to do what she says oh yeah, she actually is like a fairly merciless person. And that's going to put our characters in a lot of trouble. I think this was a fantastic representation of the ensemble. I loved, it could very easily have been just like an Adama-focused episode dealing with Kane, but getting to check in with how all of our characters are affected by this was done so well just to serve as like a resounding ripple effect of what this might mean. And the idea that it's too good to be true, that this is a dream, as was quoted in the beginning of this this episode, that turned into a nightmare. I think it is brilliant. Yeah. You know, I, I have to go back and forth. I loved Flesh and Bone. I loved Resistance, as I talked about earlier this season. I'd really have to think about it, especially maybe at the end of the season, as to is this my favorite episode of Battlestar. Yeah, America? it's definitely
0: not my favorite episode. I, I think uh, I said best at the start of this. And I think that, like... It's hyperbolic and stuff. I I still feel quite strongly about the hand of God, to be honest. Uh, and the vibes are very different there. But as far as just like immaculately made, this is. Oh, in yeah. Conversation no, I
2: story. think this is the one that I'm most astounded by. Yeah, uh, I think this is the one that I'm probably most impressed by. Because, again, you take it on paper, an entire random ship shows up with a new cast of characters and takes over. And you might think, honestly, it's the show Jumping the Shark 23 episodes in. But the way they were able to thread that needle in such a thematic and character based way was done with such a plum.
0: Yep. For sure. Um, So that is the score for Pegasus. Before we frack off, no additional jumps. Um, 14 fracks in your extended episode of Battlestar Galactica. Starbuck just really kicking her lead with four fracks. Uh, She's got 13 total for season two. Ty gets a frack, and he is still comfortably in second place with 10 fracks at the moment. Um, No fracking between Starbuck and Apollo. Any changes for you on the Cylon model rankings,
2: Mike? Oh, I mean, this would probably cement number six to me as the number one. I mean, we'll see what happens with Six, but I'm glad we got a new model introduced. It honestly was the shot in the arm. I think the character needed after I've talked for this entire season of like starting to get a little, little old, uh, especially yeah. when we had the hospital full of sixes. I feel like we were going nowhere with the character while Grace Park was doing so many fun things with Sharon, with Baby Boomer, etc. cetera this was exactly what the character needed. And so I would not be surprised if by the end of the two parters, once we get into January, then I'm like, yeah, the distance has grown much larger between six and boomer in the rankings.
0: Well, January is indeed the next stop. Battlestar Galactica down the hatch is going to take a break now and return in the new year in 2024. Coming back roughly around January 16th, 2024 is the plan. We hope to see you all there. We hope you all have a nice end to your year and a nice start to your year. Uh, It's been a wild one, as they really all are these days, Mike. Um, But we're going to be getting back together next month to talk about Resurrection Ship Part 1. Any predictions that you want to make for Resurrection Ship Part 1, Mike?
2: Well, there's this little thing we have to follow up on. Just like a small tidbit about how Adama did send in a Marine Corps to try to rescue his two men. While simultaneously, the Pegasus sent a bunch of Vipers in to disarm the Galactica, essentially, and take out its battery. So I'm imagining that's going to be at least the B plot. Yeah, that's uh, fair. But meanwhile, again, I mentioned it before. I don't know where Lee and Starbucks stand in things. I would not be surprised if we get the umpteenth like Starbucks off on her own plot line where she goes off to do the recon mission and explores more. Did about someone that-
0: spoil for you that there are umpteen Cylon models?
2: Yes, Boomer actually told me before she. I died. just caught
0: that. You didn't get that past me. That sucks. I'm sorry.
2: Ah, it's fine. Listen, yeah, I'll, I mean, I'll live with it. I'll pretend that I don't about know the, it.
0: about the umpteenth Cylon.
2: Yes, exactly. So I, I imagine that Lee is going to get called back and that'll be really interesting as well. He'll have his own fun, like reversal moment of his father of like, do I buck trend and do what he wants? Or do I go along with the ship that I am a part of now that I am behind enemy lines? You know, part one makes me feel like Kane is not going to die. I don't see how honestly we escape out of this part two situ- this two part situation without her dying. Yeah. So, like, I don't know how it's okay. We'll let Galactica do what they do and move forward from there. I gotta think she's a casualty of this, perhaps at the hands of her own XO as history reverses here. But Josh, it's, it's wild to think about. We are ending 2023 by talking bsg because it was a little bit of like a transitory year for for down the hatch but actually the first podcast we did in 2023 was our recap of the miniseries part one that's of right BSG.
0: that's right uh so a year since then and a season and a half later we're still talking about bsg
2: yeah and we did obviously we we finished up some hero stuff as well there talked a little bit about what to do next you talked about from you and I and Joe Garfine talked about Mrs. Davis as well which is wild that that happened in this year so as you mentioned it's been a big year it's been a long year it has been an eventful year to say the least but I cannot say enough about how happy I am with where we landed you know we certainly uh, found our line and we have not crossed it up to this point. I hope we haven't from the the listener's perspective. But like, getting the opportunity to talk about the show, you know, watching the miniseries back in January and being like, okay, yeah, this is what we're doing next. I think you and I were both locked in with that feeling immediately. And then getting to follow up on that. And I think in our opinion, at least bring back that original flavor DTH from back in the lost days was so, so nice to have. And I'm looking forward to doing it for, you know, the next year plus to come.
0: I can't wait! I'm really excited. We've got a lot of really exciting stuff still ahead in BSG. You will all just have to wait one more month for us to get back into it. We hope that that is not too long of a wait for all of you. Getting to do this podcast a real highlight every single week, Mike. Yes, uh, it's just so much fun to get to talk about this show with you uh, and get your takes as you're going through it for the first time. Uh, get all of Mike's takes at a Mike Bloom type wherever you can find him on the internet. Mike, a lot of reality TV coming to a close here in your neck of the woods
2: right so at the time that this podcast is being released I believe it'll be the day of the survivor 45 finale uh, so we've got of course a big three hour close to what I thought has been a very fun season so far if you missed it I did my seasonal check-in with Rob Setsonino where we talked for three and a half hours about a lot of things related to survivor that's a very fun time of course, the day after the finale, I'll be speaking with all of the final five, which I'm really excited about, and then doing the B&B as well. And then one final thing to close up the year uh, on post-show recaps, actually a couple more. So first off, from the RHAP side of things, Rob and I are going to get together and do our annual Brandt Steel with the Stars of 2023 from a pop culture perspective. So Check that out if you're into that sort of thing. I I get a sense that you are, if you're Mm. a fan of DTH. Mm. Post-show recaps, Fargo is still going strong with a really interesting closer of its first half of a season. I'm doing that every week with Grace and LaTanya. And then, in just a week and change, Josh, uh, we will be recapping the top 10 TV shows of 2023 as voted upon by the listeners of post-show recaps. You still have time to get your vote in recaps.com slash 2023 survey. If it's a show that put out a new episode in the year 2023, it counts. List out your top 10 TV shows. So Let your- I can't
0: put the West Wing on there, unfortunately.
2: No, unless there was this, like, uh, I don't know, COVID era special that I no. missed out on. Uh, no, but not this year. be sure to do that so that your voice can be heard. You don't need to be like Adama and exist under the thumb of another admiral. You Everyone has a voice here as long as they make their votes known. And Next Friday, we are going to go through the results and once and for all talk about a wild year in TV that was 2023.
0: Amazing. All right. We'll get all of that and more here on Post Show Recaps as we get towards the end of 2023. Down the Hatch returns in 2024. The 10-year anniversary of Post Show Recaps, I might add, is the year 2024. Can you believe that? That makes me feel so old.
2: Oh, yes. Where's Miles Strom when you need him? We're back on the beach. That makes us old.
0: If you've been listening to Poe Show Recaps for 10 years, gods bless you. Thank you. May yes. gods to
2: have mercy on your soul. <laughs>
0: you make the gods have mercy on your soul as well, but gods bless you too. Um, happy holidays. Happy New Year to all you hatchlings out there listening along. We'll be back mid January with the return of Down the Hatch Battlestar Galactica Edition. Until then, everyone, take care. Bye bye. <laughs>